Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Man, packed house this morning. Thankful for the time to be with us this morning. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Ryan, one of the pastors here. Really excited to continue our series uh, that we launched last week called All. Um, and really, the more that I mature in my faith, and I don't know if it's maturity or just longevity, um, but hopefully some maturity. The longer that I grow in my faith, the more that I have really boiled down the invitation of Jesus. When people ask me, what is following Jesus all about? I, I like to quote his words in John chapter 10, and he says that, that I, have, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, life to the full. That is the invitation of Jesus. The problem is... For most of us, the problem is that that abundant life, we would all say, sign me up. I want that. The problem is that abundant life is the result of us handing over the leadership of every area of our life over to Jesus. That's the thing that we struggle with. We all would say, sign me up for the abundant life. I want more abundance in my life. However, when it comes to releasing control of different areas of our life, we, you know, here's, here's this part of my life, but hold on to this part of my life, right? Anybody else with me? Am I the only one this morning? All right. So the goal of our series here, this all-in series, is we're just going to look at a couple unique areas of our life and ask the question, am I all in? Am I giving the leadership of this area of my life over to Jesus? Why not? And, and what can change about that moving forward? And because we here at Canvas Community Church are all about growing our attendance, really our, our aim in life. We started the series by talking about your wallets, and we're going to continue the series by talking about your body. Man, this is a great growth plan, isn't it? There's probably going to be a few more chairs here next week. So, man, I'm excited, though. I thought Matt handled the, the topic of money. In and out, isn't it? It's not, the mic is not all in. I like that. All right, hopefully we'll give it one more shot. Um, Matt, he shared biblical truth about finances. He asked introspective questions, and then he trusted God to, to work in each of our lives. And I, I hope to do the same when it comes to our bodies. I hope to share biblical truth about our physical bodies, and I hope to ask some challenging questions. And I hope that each one of us will hear from God about how we might be all in in giving him ownership, leadership of our physical Body. So that's the plan for today. Let me pray, and then we will get started. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth that we are wonderfully, uniquely made. Each one of us in this room, and not all of us feel that way. But it's true, God. You created us on purpose, for a purpose. You, you made us the way that you made us, the, the shape and the color and the size. You made us that way on purpose. And you placed us where you placed us so that we might walk in relationship with you and share that life and truth with others. And so, God, I, I pray this morning that you would challenge our ideas about our bodies, that you would challenge the way that we think about the physical world and how we interact with it, and that we would become healthier human beings, that, that we would experience kingdom truth in our bodies on earth as it is in heaven, for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, 
I don't know if you can tell this by looking at me, but as a kid, I was somewhat athletic, decently athletic, played a lot of sports. Um, I like to say that I was okay at everything, not good at anything. Um, that's kind of how I would describe my abilities with sports. In, in case you think I'm up here and this is like a humble brag and I'm trying to get you to think I was, I was cool, I was also in the marching band. So, not, not, not trying to, you know, brag about my coolness or anything, just sharing with you. But um, unlike a lot of my friends who played a lot of sports, I never got into weightlifting. Never, just didn't like it, never got into the weights. And so all of my friends that played sports growing up, they would lift weights. They understood technique, how things were supposed to go, what things were supposed to look like. I just never got into it until a few months ago I decided, like, maybe – I mean, I'm getting older, you know, maybe I should start toning up a little bit. And so I did what everyone would do, and I looked around at my friend group, and I tried to find the most muscular person that I hung out with. And so Donovan, our worship leader, got a text from me. Um, I mean, and so anyway, he's, he's going to love that. He's going to be excited about that. So I texted him, and I said, hey, I, you know, can we, can we start lifting weights together? So started going to his garage. He's a you know high school soccer coach. He understands weights and technique and how all this stuff works. And so he was teaching me how to do some different things. And, and I remember a few times I would, he would give me an exercise, and I would start to do it, and man, did I think I was crushing it. And he would come over and really nicely be like, hey, like, you got to keep your elbows in. And I'm like, dude, my elbows are it. And he's like, no, they're not. They are not in. They are as far out as they could possibly be, right? Or like, or, or you got to flat back. Don't arch your back. Don't arch your back. And I'm like, dude, my back. My back. You, could, you could eat dinner off of my back, how flat it is right now. He's like, it's pretty arched, right? And so what had to happen is somebody had to come alongside me and show me uh, a bad perspective that I had. I thought that I was doing things the right way. I thought that I was crushing it. But it took an outside perspective to show me that I was getting off balance. And here's the thing about lifting weights with bad form. It doesn't not accomplish anything. Like, you're still going to get some results, but they're going to be off balance, right? Maybe my left arm is going to get bigger than my right arm because I'm doing it uh, the wrong way. And eventually, you might even get injured or, or hurt. And so the reason I share this with you is because I think as I look at the American church and think about how we think about our physical bodies and how we talk about our physical bodies and the way that we act with our bodies, I think there's some some bad ideas that have creeped into the American church that have gotten us a little off balance in how we interact with our physical bodies. And so what I want to do is, just like Donovan came alongside me and said, hey, like, elbows in, flat back, all of those things, I just want to come alongside of us as American Christians and say, is it possible that we're, we've let this bad idea creep into our minds and it's actually impacting the way that we live when it comes to our physical bodies. Do we have some bad ideas that are leading to some bad behaviors? So that's kind of what we're going to do the rest of the morning. I'm going to challenge us to think about some bad ideas. And oftentimes what happens is we wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily hear these bad ideas and say, yeah, I, I believe that. But they've, they've creeped in. They're, they're, they're like small, little, subtle lies that ultimately impact the way that we live. So just be be thinking about that as we talk about these things moving forward. The first idea, um, and these, these ideas all existed when Jesus was around and when the New Testament was written. All of these things existed and impacted the way that Christians lived 
their lives. You're going to see a lot of the passages that I'm going to quote from this morning are in the book of either 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. The Corinthian church was struggling with these things. They had bad ideas about their physical body. And Paul was constantly trying to come alongside them and say, no, you're, you're, you're missing it. You're off balance. So the first bad idea is this idea of, and for those of you that like to learn new words, maybe this is a new word for you, it's called hedonism. Um, and for those of you that don't care about learning new words, I've got a, a, a visible way to represent kind of the idea behind hedonism, which is this. It's just, we, we elevate the physical over the spiritual. Um, actually, the farthest spectrum of hedonism is that spiritual doesn't even exist or matter. But in the church, what this idea often creeps in is we overemphasize the physical body. It's an ideology that the body and physical pleasure is the ultimate human experience. The experience on this earth is all we have look, to look forward to, so we better make the most of it. I see this unbalanced perspective creep into the church all the time, and it usually, it usually leads to two different results. The first result I call YOLO. Anybody? YOLO. Right? You only live once, so eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want, do whatever you want with your bodies, enjoy the moment no matter the consequence. It leads us to unhealthy eating, unhealthy substances, drinking other substances, laziness, uh, an unhealthy view of sexuality because we just want pleasure now and we think that it's, it's the only thing that we have to look forward to, so we're going to enjoy it. We're going to live it up to the fullest. And this idea often creeps into Christianity where we we like the enjoyments of this world. And if we're not careful, we can end up idolizing them. We can end up making them ultimate. They become the thing that we look forward to, the thing that we live for. Um, not only is YOLO one of the things that happens out of this bad idea, but the other bad idea that comes from this is body idolatry. Um, is you, you start to be obsessed with how you look, obsessed with, with how strong you are, with how long you're going to live, with how healthy you eat. And we invest all of our time and energy and resources in taking care of our physical bodies. This is all I have, so I want to maximize it to the fullest extent. We overwork. We end up sometimes even with things like body, uh, body dysmorphia. And here's the other thing that, that comes along with body idolatry is we become very judgmental of people that don't prioritize their physical body. <laughs> so we're like, see my friend over there? He's eating two servings of french fries. Right? And so, like, the, these ideas creep in to our idea about how we think about our body. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about this that's, that's tricky, is there's glimmers of truth in this ideology. God created food and drink and music and sexuality and competition and the beach. He created these things for us to enjoy. These things are meant for our enjoyment. We are allowed to enjoy things on this earth. But what, what happens is when we over-elevate it, when we make it ultimate, instead of just an object that should point us to, should lead us to a, a good God who has given us these gifts. Body idolatry, the, 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 the glimmer of truth in that is that our bodies are a gift that has been given to us by God. We should take care of them. We should be intentional about what goes into our bodies and what we do with our bodies because it is a gift from God. However, the pleasures of this world cannot compare to the eternal future that Jesus has secured for us through his resurrection. 
and we will be given new resurrected bodies in the future. So we can't idolize the physical over the spiritual. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. Anybody? Anybody's back sore this morning? Anybody wake up with a headache? We groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies. Like, these physical bodies are good, they matter, but there's this hope for the future that we have. So that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and he has guaranteed us this, giving us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. See, see the tension there? Bodies matter. They're good, important. We should take care of them. But it's not ultimate. It's not the end goal. Our goal, whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. It's a balanced perspective. And, and, and we tend to, just like me lifting weights, I, I got one side above the other side. I get unbalanced in my ideas about my physical body. This body matters, but... There's far more hope for the future. Best way I could think to illustrate this is I've, I've moved a couple of times, and you, you put a down payment on your new house. You're still living in your old house, and we take care of the old house, right? We, we take care of the old house. The old house still is important. It still has value. Even though we're looking forward to, we know that there is a, a new place coming, but that doesn't devalue the place that we have right now. Our bodies, they're important, they matter, we should take care of them, but they are not ultimate. The enjoyment that we get from physical pleasures is not the ultimate thing. The body is a good gift from God, it is spiritual. You are meant to enjoy these pleasures. Take good care of your bodies without putting your hope in either the pleasures you experience or the health that you have. If we put all of our hope in our bodies, all of our hope in this experience, we become unbalanced. And here's the, here's the deal, like, pleasures of this world are often out of our control. Like, you know, sometimes life's good, things are good, and then life's not good. And so if our hope is in that, if our hope is in the pleasures of this world, and there's relational strife at home, there's difficulty at work, and there's not much enjoyment to be had around then where do we have our hope? If our hope is in earthly satisfaction and enjoyment, and there's none of that to be found, it often leads to escapism, right? And we kind of disconnect from the reality that we're living in order to try and find some form of pleasure outside of our current circumstances or experience. You fill in the blank for what that is for you. Maybe you play video games until 3 in the morning. Maybe you turn to substances. Maybe you turn to entertainment. I don't know what it is for you. You know what it is, but you know if, you're, if this idea has creeped into your mind and you're putting all of your hope in the enjoyment of this earth and then life gets hard, you're going to look for enjoyment outside of real life. And it's going to lead to some pretty bad and unhealthy things. Also, with body idolatry, here's the thing. You don't have control over your health. You know how many friends that I have that, like, eat so healthy, work out, do all of this good stuff, and at, at the end of the day, you're not in control. You still get sick. You still get injured. You still have bad things 
happen. Your earthly bodies matter. Earthly enjoyment matters, but it's not ultimate. What we do with our physical bodies has spiritual implications. More on that later. All right, bad idea number one, hedonism. Bad idea number two is uh, Platonism or Gnosticism, kind of a two-edged sword here. I would uh, visualize it like this. Spiritual is greater than physical. Um, these are kind of boiled down, simplified versions of these ideologies. But there's really two levels to this ideology. One is that the body, the physical body, it's second rate. And the only value it has is when it connects you to the spiritual. Um, or you could go even further and say the physical is totally broken. It's evil. It's fallen. Nothing good can come from it. And so we disconnect ourselves from our physical existence. This is an equally unbalanced perspective that leads to an unhealthy pattern of behavior that I call over-spiritualization. Anybody know people like this? We only spend time emphasizing or focusing things that we perceive to have spiritual value. We justify laziness and sin in areas of our life. And we believe that life is just about enduring this fallen, broken world so that one day we just get to die and escape this place and go to another place. This is false ideology. God has given us our bodies in this world. They matter. This is what happened in the church. The, the Romans, they were saying, they were asking Paul, should I just keep on sinning? Because it doesn't matter. Like, I, I, I'm a failure. I've fallen. I've broken. So I'm just going to keep on doing all of these things. It doesn't matter. One day God's going to come or he's going to forgive me and I'm going to escape and heaven's going to be real and I can just do whatever I want with my physical body. Paul says, no. God has given you this body as a gift. What you do with it on earth matters. I've known seemingly spiritual people who spend all their time and energy doing ministry, serving others, volunteering at their church, but the result is they ignore things like rest and exercise and eating healthy. All of these things are spiritual things that we should prioritize. This is a healthy human existence. One of the, one of the godliest men I ever knew, mentor in my life, Man, all he ever did was make time for other people, and the, the end result of that was the only time he had to eat food was fast food, and the only time he had to exercise was never. And, and like, that's spiritual. Taking care of our body is spiritual. It matters. Here's the deal. I don't think that if any of us, most of us in this room, if we sat down and took a written exam on these two ideologies, none of us would probably say that I agree with one of those two ideologies. But have, have a little bit of them slipped into our minds and got us off balance in the way we actually behave with our lives. Many of us, I think, if we're not careful, we've drifted into some unbalanced ideas about our body. We think our back's straight, our elbows are tucked in, but if somebody were to come alongside you, which is my job today, and say, are they really? Are you really, do you really have a balanced perspective about how you interact with your body? Do you overemphasize bodily pleasures as ultimate? Do you overeat, overdrink, overrest, or make sexual experience an idol in your life? Are these the ultimate pleasures? Is this all that you're striving after? Do you idolize your physical body? Do you find more value in your identity of how fit you are? how far you can run, how much you can lift, 
Are you always trying to lose just one more percent of body fat? Do you only invest in things that you decide have spiritual value and and physical things aren't spiritual and so you're not going to invest in those things? It doesn't matter. Do you justify sin because God's going to forgive you and just take you into heaven one day anyway so what you do on earth doesn't matter? I think if we're really honest with ourselves, when, when you hear those questions, one or two of those, you're like, hmm, maybe, maybe just a little bit. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians again in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. What we do with our physical bodies is worship. It is spiritual. Your body is a gift from God. He made you on purpose and for a purpose. And I know for many of you that that's hard to believe this morning. Please hear me. God made you on purpose. He made you the way that he made you intentionally. It matters. We've been called to, to, to respond with our bodies in worship. I love how Wendell Berry puts it. He says, there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. There are no spiritually neutral things. Either we, we, we participate, what we participate with our bodies either becomes spiritual or becomes unspiritual. And so, Think about that. When you sit down at the dinner table, when you prioritize the schedule and events of your life, how can you make every moment sacred? How can you respond to God that he has bought your body, he has bought your time and your energy and your resources with the precious blood of Jesus? How do you respond to him in that? Don't desecrate your bodies by believing they are more valuable than they are or less valuable than they are. So, if one idea is bad, the other idea is bad, how do, how do we go forward from here? What's the right thing to do? Um, I would call it grateful stewardship. I, I tried to visualize it this way. Um, I just got some, some scales, some weights, and um, just how do we balance the spiritual and the physical? How do we respond to the gifts of God in a way that honors His thoughts for us. Grateful stewardship, it's treating everything we have, including our bodies, as gifts from God that we should use according to his purposes, which ultimately tie us into eternal realities. It's, it's the thing we always, it's the thing I always say on earth as it is in heaven, in Winchester as it is in heaven. We, we know God's purposes for our life and we start to participate in those purposes here on earth. We connect with God in worship. We love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, body, mind, strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. We're, we're using our physical bodies in, in a way that lines up with God's eternal realities. We were created for worship, which includes what we do with our bodies. And worship will be our, exter- our eternal existence. So, what we do with our bodies matters. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Our bodies matter. We should respond to God in grateful stewardship.
stewardship. As I was thinking about a way to illustrate this, I was reminded of um, my favorite place on earth as a kid. Um, my, one of my best friends from church growing up, they had this massive apple orchard. Um, I don't know how big it is, but as a kid, it felt like it was hundreds of acres of apple orchard. And they had a fishing pond, and it was just it was just outdoor galore. They had UTVs and tractors and animals and pigs and horses. It was literally my favorite place on earth. There was sled riding hills. There was places to um, play hide and go seek in the dark for for hours and hours and hours. It was the most fun place on earth. And I I, I remember every time I went over there, I was just so jealous of like the things that they had access to. It's like the greatest place on earth. But as I got older, I realized that it actually wasn't theirs at all. They didn't own the property. It was owned by a wealthy man in Northern Virginia. And and Doug actually had entered into a contract with them where he was a land steward, a land manager. He he acted and operated as if he owned the entire place. It was incredible. It was like I had no clue that he didn't own it. Everything he, he handled everything, managed Everything treated everything as if it was his own, with care and respect and with dignity, as as if the owner was sitting there watching every moment of his day. But that guy came like maybe twice a year to check in on the property. They had just agreed on the the purposes that the land would be used, and I think this is a perfect illustration of what grateful stewardship looks like. God has entrusted you with your body with your time, with your talent, with your resources. And God has given you good purposes to invest in those things. There are good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. And so our job is to be grateful stewards. Here's, here's the thing I was thinking about this morning, too, on my way in. That, that story's great. It sounds like all sunshine and rainbows, but as a part of... Uh, Mr. Rains is what I'll call him. As a part of his responsibilities as a land steward, I remember one night late at, it was probably like a Thursday night, 8 or 9 o'clock p.m., we get a knock on the door, and it's his wife. We open the door, and she's like, hey, uh, you're, can I leave the kids with you? And my mom's like, sure, what's going on? She's like, Doug got bit by a copperhead. Um, yeah, it was not good. He was in the hospital for a long time. His foot, we called him Fred Flintstone because his foot was like this big. But here's the thing, like, Sometimes, living in a fallen world, stewarding broken land, is going to lead to some difficulties, some challenges, to some brokenness. And so, even when we're grateful stewards, even when we do the things that God's called us to do, even when we steward our bodies the way that He's called us to steward them, sometimes the fallenness of this world creeps in. Sickness creeps in. Difficulty, challenges creep in. In. And, and it's in those moments when we could be tempted to look back at God and say, what, what are you doing? Why is this happening? I'm, I'm, I'm managing my life the way that you've called me to manage my life. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things that you've called me to do. Why is this happening? It would be crazy for, for Mr. Raines to call the owner of the land after he got bit by a copperhead and say, this is all your fault. You did this to me. You put me in this situation. You made this thing happen to me. There's an agreement. There's a responsibility there. And, and it would be insane in that moment to say, this is your fault. No, there's a, there's a partnership. And, and, and land is 
sometimes difficult and challenging and leads to accidents and things like that. And the same is true for us living in a fallen, broken world. We've been given bodies that God has called us to steward, and he's given us purposes to live alongside. And sometimes, even when we're doing things the right way, difficulty and challenge come in. And that's why we can't put our ultimate hope in our physical bodies. This is a resurrection that we look forward to, a hope for our future. And so what we do with our bodies matters, but it doesn't matter to the ultimate extent. So let's get really specific here. Um, how, do we, how do we steward our bodies well? Before, I'm going to end with some specific practical applications. Before I do that, I want to offer up a caveat, because here's the reality. In a room this big, we all, each one of us has a different body, and we all have different challenges, struggles, disorders, sicknesses, family history. And so I'm going to give some practical application, but you've got to filter that through your own individual body. Romans 12, verse 2 says that we are to present our bodies. You are to present your body. Your body is different than my body. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. There are people at our church that run ultra marathons. If I was to present my body to God the same way that they present their body to God, it would not be much of a living sacrifice. I stole that from Pastor Matt. I got to give him credit for that. We were talking about it. I was asking about Romans 12, and he was like, if I were to present my body like some people, not a living sacrifice. A sacrifice, but not a living one. So, I want to get practical. I want to think about what it looks like to steward our bodies well. This matters. This is worship. What you eat, what you drink, how you use your time, it is spiritual. It has spiritual implications. And, and I'm sick of people disconnecting the physical from the spiritual and acting like what we do with our bodies here on earth doesn't matter. It matters. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he's talking to the Corinthians, and their thing, they, the thing that they were doing is cult prostitution, right? They were like, they were, they were having sexual relationships with prostitutes, and Paul says, don't you know that you're taking what is spiritual and you're desecrating it? You're taking something that's spiritual that matters for eternity, and you're doing something totally incongruent with what, with what we've called you to, with how I've called you to live. So what we do with our bodies matters, but, but run it through your physical body. You know you. So, first, application. Eat healthy and proportionately. This, is, this seems more like a health class than a sermon at this point. But again, that's because I think in the American church we've disconnected these two things so much so that when I give physical, practical application, we think it's not spiritual. This is spiritual. Eating healthy and proportionately is spiritual. Food is meant for both enjoyment and to fuel your bodies for kingdom action. When we eat healthy, when we... When we when we fuel our bodies with good things, we have more energy to, to invest in our neighbors and our friends and our family. We have more opportunity to, 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 to partner with God in kingdom work. God's people in the Old Testament, they had these regular rhythms built into their calendar of both fasting and feasting. There was a time to celebrate. There was a time to enjoy food the way that God gave it to us as a gift. And there was a time to fast. To, to demonstrate that, that, that food didn't have mastery over them. Food shouldn't master us. Drink shouldn't master us. A perfect illustration of this, I rode up to York, Pennsylvania yesterday for my sister-in-law's 30th birthday. We just decided we were going to feast for her birthday. We were going to celebrate. We were going to enjoy 
food. My sister-in-law, she's a very health-conscious individual. She's also lactose intolerant. And so she very rarely eats cheese or, or drinks milk or does any of that stuff. But when we get together to feast, she just brings her lactate with her, right? She's just like, hey, it, I mean, we're feasting today. This is, this is not a regular pattern of my life, but, but for this time, for this season, we're going to celebrate. It's, it's a gift from God. Food is a gift from God, but it should not become our idol. We should eat healthy and proportionately. What might it look like for you to view food and drink as an act of worship for enjoyment and for productivity? Um, I'm, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, so I'm, I'm kind of nervous to get into this. Processed sugars, and I, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy to tell you not to do it because I am. I do it. But, man, it, we live in a culture where it's far easier and far cheaper to eat really poorly. This is, this is an act of worship. We have to be intentional. We have to plan ahead. We, have to, we used to have an office down on the north end of Winchester. And there's, it's, a, it's literally a food desert on the north end of Winchester. And so when I wanted to like get a quick lunch, when I was in a hurry, when things, it's, it's almost impossible. Like, this is worship, planning ahead, being intentional with taking care of our physical bodies. The, the, the conspiracy theory thing is, I think the government gets a lot of money from big sugar, and so, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> find what works for you and commit to it. Like, find a balanced perspective that works for your body and commit to it and and don't do it because you think the physical is ultimate do it as an act of worship do it as a grateful steward if we were to go back to the illustration of the land manager he had a bunch of vehicles that he used to to do the farming and those those vehicles were great for productivity but they were only as great as he maintenance them on a regular basis this is our physical bodies. It's, it's the vehicle that, that allows us to be productive in the kingdom. It's the vehicle that allows us to connect with God and our neighbors. And so we should take care of it. Find what works best for you and commit to it. Second, exercise regularly. First Timothy 4 says this, that physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. So many times I see people use that verse to, to say, we shouldn't even worry about physical training. I'm like, it just says it's good. Yes, it's, it's not as good as spiritual training, as discipleship, but what if, we, what if we flip the script and we used our physical training as a way to worship? What if it became both physical and spiritual? Your bodies are capable of incredible things if they are regularly pushed beyond what is comfortable. And that's subjective to all of us. That is, that is literally true. Your body is capable of incredible things. What my body is capable of is probably not the ultramarathoner's body is capable of. But it's still incredible. It, it, it's, it's capable of incredible things. God's made us fearfully and wonderfully. And this, the Bible doesn't talk a lot about exercise, at least not from what I can find. And part of that, I think, is a cultural difference. Because, like, their jobs were exercise. <laughs> like, their jobs were exercise. They didn't have access to processed sugars. And so maybe, maybe this, I'm, I'm, I'm blowing this out of proportion, but the reality is the, the culture that we live in, we have access to really bad foods, 
And a lot of us have jobs that are not physical at all. And so if we're going to take care of our bodies, it's going to have to be intentional. It's going to have to be planned out. And it's going to have to take self-discipline. I think one of the one of the two the two biggest things that keep us from, from stewarding our bodies well is bad ideas and bad self-discipline. So intentionally pushing your body as grateful stewards will look different for each of us. Do what works best for you. Do it regularly. Do it consistently. Do it with others. And do it outside. Fresh air is good for your mind, your body, and your soul. It matters. Exercise can be worship. It can also be idolatry. So figure it out for yourself, all right? Third, rest intentionally. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Life on earth is tiring, stressful. The combination of work, school, family responsibilities, extracurricular activities, they can all be overwhelming. It's worship to intentionally make time to rest. And I mean like actually rest. I think... I like to separate these two terms. I call it relaxation and rest. Relaxation is where, like, you just unplug and you turn on Netflix for six hours or you scroll on Instagram for six hours or whatever it looks like for you. And here's the deal. It's like like if your phone was down to, like, 20% charge and you just unplugged it. You're not killing the battery, but when you turn it back on, it's still going to be 20%. You're not recharging. You're just turning off. Rest looks like silence and solitude. It looks like time outside, time with friends who love you and love the Lord, time with God to recharge, to fill up. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Learn to say no to important things, to prioritize regular rest. That's the only way it's going to happen. You're going to have to say no to stuff. I've known very spiritual people who are always busy for the kingdom but aren't healthy because they never say no for spiritual rest. This matters. Finally, this is the one some of you aren't going to like. If, if you like all the other ones, look out. Always be sober-minded. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do not be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get into the Christian liberties discussion. There's plenty of substances that you may want to partake in, may not want to partake in, but the scriptures are clear. They should be they should be enjoyed in moderation and no earthly substance should have control over you. This is a, a cultural thing that we struggle with. I turned on Instagram this morning, and a Christian comedian that I follow was talking about how he wanted to start Dry January, and he didn't do it until January 4th. And it was like this joke, and everyone was laughing, and I thought it was funny too, but at the same time, it's like we, we live in a culture 
that's so overwhelmed and stressed out that it's almost kind of just a cultural undertone that drunkenness a little bit is like this thing that we all just do to, to get through the difficult times in life. That abundant life that Jesus has to offer, we've got to give up some control of our lives. can't look for shortcuts to abundant life. I think that's what substances are. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of people that I care about. Let's be sober-minded. Let's not let substances have control over us. We're called to be grateful stewards of God's creation, filling the earth, subduing it, loving God and our neighbors. All of this is done in the vehicles of our body, which require regular and intentional maintenance. love what Bethany Hamilton says. She's a surfer that lost her arm and uh, shark attack, she says this, she says, care for your body can be fun, not a burden, but a daily and empowering project of love for yourself and as an expression of gratitude for God's wonderful work. Taking care of your bodies is spiritual. It is worship. Be careful to keep these perspectives in balance. Again, I think the two obstacles to us doing this well are bad ideas or bad self-discipline. So which is it for you? Are there ideas that have creeped into your mind, into your heart, that have allowed you to think that the physical is ultimate and that all of your enjoyment and satisfaction has to come on this earth? Or, or maybe you've drifted the other way and the physical doesn't matter and only things that matter are spiritual. Or are you believing bad ideas? And if you're not believing bad ideas and you're still not stewarding your body well, then maybe it's just a discipline thing. Self-discipline is worship. Offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Let's believe the right things about our bodies. Let's be grateful stewards who have good self-discipline and control around our bodies. Let's pray and then we'll enter into a time of communion. Father, we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you that you give us food and physical activity to be enjoyed. Sometimes it can be challenging and difficult. Sometimes it can be ultimate. It can be idols in our life. Sometimes we can have really bad ideas about our bodies because it's ex- they're experiencing things from the fall. We don't understand it. We're confused and we're angry. I pray that each one of us would learn to view our bodies as a gift from you. A gift to be taken care of, to be stewarded as an act of worship for your glory and for our good. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.